Ernest Hemingway once wrote a short story called The Capital of the World, and in it, he opened with the story of a father and his teenage son who were estranged from one another. The son's name was Paco, and he had wronged his father, and as a result, in his shame, he had run away from home. And in the story, the father searched all over Spain for Paco, but he still could not find the boy. Finally, in the city of Madrid, in a last desperate attempt to find his son, the father placed an ad in the daily newspaper. The ad simply read, Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montaigne, noon, Tuesday, all is forgiven, Papa. Now the father in Hemingway's story prayed that the boy would see the ad, and then maybe, just maybe, he would come to the Hotel Montaigne. And at Noon on Tuesday, the father arrived at the hotel, and when he did, he could not believe his eyes. An entire squadron of police officers had been called out in an attempt to keep order among 800 young men. It turned out that each one of them was named Paco, and each one of them had come to meet his respective father and find forgiveness at the Hotel Montaigne. I mean, can you imagine 800 boys named Paco saw this newspaper ad and hoped it was for them. 800 Pacos had come to receive the forgiveness they so desperately desired. And that beautiful story just illustrates this great truth that Jesus was driving at in his story from Luke 15 that we know as the parable of the prodigal. We often call it the prodigal son. But just as there are many Pacos in Hemingway's story, there are also innumerable prodigals throughout this world. And in truth, we are all prodigals. All of us have run away from God. All of us, as Isaiah 53, 6 says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. But fortunately, God has not given up on us. Persistently and tirelessly, he searches for us. He never gives up. He longs day and night for us to come home to him. And if and when we do, he is overjoyed. He loves us, forgives us, restores us. And this is a big part of what Jesus was driving at in this story of the prodigal in Luke 15, which we started out with uh, last year. And we started out uh, just getting through kind of the first half of the, the younger son story. Um, first thing we looked at, though, was that the, the father, um, being seen as God the Father, was a very foreign concept in that culture, in that mindset. It, was, it seemed too familiar. It seemed too close. God as Father didn't seem, you know, reverent enough, especially for the religious establishment of the day. But we learned last week that Jesus shows up, and he's the first Jewish rabbi to teach that we are to call God our Father, um, our Abba is the Hebrew word, and that Abba word means, it's familiar like us, means uh, daddy, very tender, tender word. And again, last week we just got into part of the story, and so I want to reread that first part of the story, kind of comment as we go, and then move into the next part of the story. Out of Luke 15, we'll start reading in verse 11. Jesus said, there was a man 
who had two sons. The younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. And so he divided his property between them. And we'll just pause there and remind you that last week we learned in that culture, um, it's a super offensive request the son is making. Uh, it, It means that he wants his father dead. Like to live as if his father is already dead. And in the minds of these first century Middle Eastern listeners that Jesus is telling this story to, not only would a son never do something so disrespectful, but they would have never dreamed that a father would respond this way and actually give to the son what the son asked for and allow the son to leave. Just mind-blowing. But this is the first clue in the story that the love of our father God is very different from what they would have imagined. Verse 13, a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, traveled to a distant country, Because as we talked about, sin's always in a hurry. So bang, off he goes, off he goes. And there squandered his property in wild living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him out to the fields to feed the pigs. He would have gladly filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating and no one gave him anything. So he's desperate, right? He is desperate now. But, verse 17, when he came to his senses, and this is the hinge on which the story turns, when he came to his senses, which often is the hinge on which some of our stories have turned, when we come to our senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger And this is where we left off last week, this crossroad of pain. Like, here he is, this crossroad of pain. It's when you hit the wall. It's when we hit rock bottom. Um, And in our pain, we have two roads that we can choose from. We can just keep avoiding it, medicating our pain, living in denial, distract ourselves, all the stuff that we do to just, you know, ignore it or try to pretend it ain't there instead of dealing with it. So the one road is that avoidance. Or we can face it. We can face the situation we're in. We can face the pain that we're experiencing, which is really our only way for actual hope. <laughs> right? Facing our pain is the only way out of the mess. Uh, facing our pain is the only way to get into healing and freedom. So we face our pain. And for the prodigal son here, or for the younger brother, in his pain, he came to his senses, and that's where we're going to pick up the story this week. Now, again, we'll look here at verse 17 to get us launched in. He says, how many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. So now he decides he's going to go home. And he, uh, he composes a little speech. Now, have you ever had a really important conversation coming up where... You know, uh, you're going to have a, you know, I don't know, a job interview, or maybe you're going to ask somebody on a date, or you're going to have to explain something to your boss or explain something to your wife, your boss, your wife, same thing. Um, um, you get a little nervous, right? Anybody ever do this? Right? You get a little nervous, kids, ever with your parents or a teacher, you get a little nervous. So you compose a little speech in your head that never goes as well when you actually deliver it, right? But, but you compose this little speech, what you're going to say, and that's what this guy does here. Verse 18, he says, um, I will get up, I will go to my father, and here's the speech. I'll say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, which, pause for a second, that's repentance so far. That's really, really good. That's outstanding stuff. But then he adds this. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. And so he set off and went to his father. Now, again, he's in pain. He decides to go back. But check this out. He cannot envision going back and fully being at home with his father. Like, he doesn't even think that's possible. So he's going to go home on what I call the hired servant plan, right? The hired servant plan, right? That's an idea, I guess, right? As a hired servant, um, it's different, though, than being a son, right? Maybe he thinks, well, possibly I'll be able to redeem myself partially or, or maybe even pay my father back somewhat or in parts. But here's, here's the problem with the hired servant plan. As a hired servant, it is very different than being a son. Very different. He would not know the intimacy as a hired servant. He would not know the intimacy of a son with a father. He'd be an employee, not a family member. It's very different. And I wonder today, for how many of us, if we were really honest, we would say, oh, yeah, 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 I get that. <laughs> I get it. I understand what it's like to be a hired servant. Um, I, I try to, you know, do things for God, like, so I get the hired servant deal, but, but I, I don't know what it's like to live simply as a beloved son or a beloved daughter. I don't, I don't know God quite like that. I get the hired servant part. Oh, yeah, I get that. But I don't know God like that. I mean, I've heard the words before about being loved and a child of God, but, 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 but honestly, I don't know him like that. And honestly, I lived a lot of my life um, like that, like a hired servant. In fact, until I wandered into a church that kept telling me differently because I had to hear it over and over and over, I thought that was the way to be a real Christian, you know, just... Just be a servant. I mean, Scripture says be a servant, so be a servant and serve, serve, serve. Um, yeah, but there's more. It doesn't stop there. There is more. And so if you get that hired servant thing, if that's you, uh, if you're more comfortable with that hired servant picture than living as a beloved son or daughter, then I'm going to encourage you to do this. As we walk through the rest of this part of the story, just imagine yourself traveling along with the younger son as we walk through this part of the story. Like, insert yourself into the story, and let's travel with the son to the embrace of the father. So we've got this desperate, you know, starving kid. He's making this long journey back to his village. And there ain't no camel to ride. Remember, he's, like, he's coming from a distant country. He's blown it all. So he is walking, walking, walking. And just imagine if you were him. I mean, when I imagine being him, I think about what, what would that walk have been like, right? If he's anything like me, he's utterly crushed by his defeat. He's thinking, okay, what's going to happen when I get there? He knows what to expect, right? He probably thinks about the moment that he gets back to his village, every step of his journey. He knows as soon as I get back, oh man, I'm going to face, you know, hostility, humiliation, like, he knows it. He knows that's what's coming. And he knows he's not just going to face it from his father or his father's family. He's going to face that stuff from the entire village that he's going back to. The whole village. And, and so I kind of picture him walking, right? 
and he reaches the outskirts. Finally, he gets to the outskirts of the village, and I have this kind of picture in my mind of, you know, maybe there were some kids playing out, you know, in the fields next to the roads or in the ditches, or they're just goofing off. And one way or another, somebody was the first to see him, and whoever saw him was like, whoa, 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 hey, 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 look at it, he's back. <laughs> he's back. The prodigal son has returned, he's returned, and pff, he's so scrawny, you can, you can hardly recognize him. And, and oh, oh, no surprise, he's lost everything, you know, that belonged to his father. Now, there's something else that we need to know about, about things that happen like that. What it meant that he lost everything was ultimately that, that the money from the lands that had belonged to his father and been passed down for generations had gone over to the Gentiles. And land was such a precious thing to the Israelites that if this happened, if you, who God had given us the land, right? The promised land, and we've passed it down through generations, it's very precious. And so if you lost something to the Gentiles, like a great deal of money or land, there was a ceremony. There was a ceremony in which they would come out, they would shatter a clay pot at your feet and symbolize that it is broken, and this is how they would cut you off from the community and the whole village. It was commonly done. Of course, the son, walking home, that goes through his mind, right? He knows all about this. This is how it works in that culture. This is what we do and Jesus' listeners who were hearing the story, they, they would have caught this in their minds as well. So the young man, right, he knew. Listeners, they knew. And the father, <laughs> the father he would know, right? The father would know my son ever comes home as soon as he gets into the village. As soon as my son comes into the village, he... He's going to be mocked and taunted and maybe even physically abused by this village, this community that he's insulted with his behavior. So again, I just picture this whole scene playing out kind of like a, like a movie. And I have this picture, like if we could see a video, I wonder if it would kind of look like, you know, this. The son finally gets in closer to the village. He's in the city limits. He comes exhausted, trudging up the streets. He's anxious. And all the people are gathering for this climactic moment in the story. And then Jesus says this, while he was still far off, his father, watching for him, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. And then, friends, one of the most wonderful Phrases in all of scripture. Jesus says this about the father, about your father. And he ran. <laughs> he ran. I mean, listen, a, a Mideast nobleman with flowing robes, right? Never ever ran. They didn't run. It just wasn't done. It just wasn't done. That's, that's not how you did things. It was a violation of dignity in those days. It was a violation of dignity. Aristotle, a Greek philosopher from that era, he, he actually wrote, great men never run, great men are run too. So, right, okay. Uh, I guess great men walk slowly like, you know, John Wayne. Just, that's how you do it, right? 
or Dwayne Cross, right? Just that's how we. <laughs> but 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 CEOs, I guess it's true. CEOs, kings, popes, you know, you never see people like that running. People, you know, rush or run to them. So I guess in a way you can understand that running is done by. I guess, by by children, by those who are desperate or needy or too eager or afraid. But do you see? Do you see? Jesus is saying, this is the father heart of God. And the father's heart is so full, he forgets everything. He forgets his dignity. He forgets his robes. I mean, the guy has to hike up his skirt, right? (laughs) He forgets everybody that's watching. He doesn't care because he only sees this exhausted, starving, aching figure of his son that he had given up for dead. Only now, his son is coming back home and the father takes off running. (laughs) I mean, running like Kyler Murray through the Rams defense tomorrow. That's just picture... Here's hoping, right? Yeah. He's running. So again, just I picture this slow kind of slow motion unfolding between the words of the text here. And for what I imagine happening after the father runs and gets to him, there are no words. Not at first. Not at first. I bet the, I bet the father doesn't say anything at all. I bet there's a moment where he just sees the face of his little boy that he had raised and, and here he is and it's so stained by sin and fatigue and defeat that it's hardly recognizable and, and he throws his arms around the body of his son and he's just skin and bones, just so emaciated and wasted. He throws his arms around that body that he thought was lost to him and he can't let it go. And then he starts kissing his son. And the way that Jesus says the word here in verse 20 is, is it can be actually translated that he kisses him over and over and over. He can't stop. Like for who knows how long before he speaks, there's just, there's just tears and embraces and kisses that say what words could never say. And that's the father heart of God for you. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, (laughs) that's the heart of God our Father towards you. See, God doesn't want you to live like a hired servant. His aim is for you and for me, for you to live like a beloved daughter, a beloved son. And if you will just let him... (laughs) Just by turning back to him, if you'll let him, he longs to run to you and throw his arms around you and to hold you and not let you go. See, that's the father heart of God that Jesus came to proclaim. Well, finally now, we get to what the words in the text say. The son does speak. But check this out. Verse 21, check this out. Look at Look real closely at what the son says now and how it's very, very different from that first draft of his speech, okay? Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, period. You see how that's different? Check, did you catch that there? When he actually gets there and he actually speaks, there's no mention of that, you know, hired servant plan, you know, dad, I want to be your hired servant, right? (laughs) Now, some people, 
Because again, we have to kind of wonder and imagine. Some people think, well, it's just because, you know, you know, the father interrupts him and cuts him off. Could be, could be, we don't know. Um, the text doesn't actually clarify, and some people think that that was it. But here, let me tell you what I think. Here's why he stopped there and didn't keep talking. It wasn't just, the father didn't just cut him off, right? Um, I think something else was probably going on. I think the son just was blown away by this unimaginable expression of love from his father, right? Like he was like, whoa. <laughs> on his long walk home, I bet if the son was anything like me and how my brain works, especially when I'm anxious, you sketch out every imaginable scenario. Well, maybe this will happen. Well, maybe this will happen, but this could happen, so I'll be ready for that. Well, this could happen. And he sketched out all, he had plenty of time to walk and think, right? He sketched out every imaginable scenario in his mind, except for one, except for one. Like, he was ready to be, you know, publicly ridiculed. He was ready to be banished. He was ready for punishment. He, he might have even thought, ah, you know, I'm going to go back and this is going to be a waste of time. It'll just be disappointment. He probably thought about turning back because he probably knew that one of the options, what could have happened, was that the father would banish him and, and, and he'd have to leave. And he knew he deserved that. If that happened, he knew he deserved it. And so I think he thought through every scenario except for this one, right? He was ready to be punished, but he wasn't ready to be welcomed as a hero and embraced. I bet he never imagined of all the tears that were flowing, it wouldn't be his tears, it would be his father's tears. I bet he never imagined, what? My father's the one running to me? What? And then when that happens... I think the lights go on. <laughs> now it's as if he sees his father for the first time, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I get it now. How did I miss this? How did I not see this heart of my father? Money's not the issue. <laughs> this is not about compliance or earning something by serving enough. Oh, I've nearly destroyed the relationship between father and son. I, I broke my father's heart. Whoa, right? So he stops, doesn't say the hired servant bit. And friends, it's the same for you and me. Just as the son realizes he can't earn his way back, um, it's not our job to, to dictate the terms or devise some plan I mean, to think that he could pay, pay everything back to his father would have actually been an insult, right? So his homecoming, our homecoming, if it is to happen at all, has to be a sheer gift, just grace. It's the same, friends, for us. We can't earn our way. It's, it's all grace. It's all grace. See, I have this imagination here that right there in that moment with his father's arms wrapped around him, kissing him, he sees his father's heart and he realizes he doesn't want to be away from home anymore, not even at the distance of a you know, hired servant. 
Just glad to be here. No, not even at that distance. He now sees his father's heart and he gives up his little plan to save and redeem himself. He gives up the last of his pride and he surrenders completely to the overwhelming love of his father. And we'll put the verse 22 and onward up the screen for the rest of this part of the story. And we won't get deep into the last few verses here. But real quick, what this means here is the father wants the whole village to know, hey, this son of mine, he's, he's restored. <laughs> he's, he's back. Don't you dare touch him. <laughs> he's back. He's mine. So that's why he has the servants dress the boy in, in his finest robe like they would dress a king. Um, He puts a ring on his finger. That's a sign of authority in that culture. It means he's a part of the family. He's authorized to conduct the family business. So he's a part of the family. He puts shoes on his feet, which is significant because, again, in that culture, that's the mark of a free man, Not not a slave or a servant. That's the mark of a free man. Does all that. And then he says, let's start the party. Let's start the party. Friends, that's the Father heart of God. For you, for me, for all humankind. Just in case you doubt it, listen, you have been more than just noticed. You have been pursued by God from farther than space and longer than time. For our Father had you in his heart before the foundations of the world. And that's why Jesus came for you. He, he loves you. He loves you. Again, in this story, Jesus is saying, friends, you wonder what God's like? Here's what God is like. He's this kind of father. And this is the heart of the Father God for you. Whoever you are, wherever you've been, it does not matter. Whatever you've done and however bad it seems to you, if you will just open yourself to him. The Father longs more than anything to to run to you right now, to embrace you. Worship team, will you come? See, I think that the call of the Father for each one of us right now today, each one of us, is is this. Come home. Come home. Just come home. So how is it that, that you need to come home to the heart of the Father today? And I want you to spend the next few moments just saying to God whatever it is that you need to say to him. Just express your heart. Wherever you're at, maybe, maybe you are someone that you're like, you know what, I've, I've taken some steps away from the Father. Um, maybe there's a pattern of sin that's going on in your life and you need to acknowledge it. You need to confess it right now. You need to put a stop to it before you move into more slippery places any deeper. Um, maybe if you've wandered off to that metaphorical distant country, um, there's a lot of guilt. Maybe you've done a lot of harm. You can come home to the Father. That's Jesus' invitation. Come home. Or maybe you're here this morning and you are in great pain, deep pain, maybe something done to you. And you feel so far away. But Jesus invites you to come home to the Father.
Uh, here's a big one, especially those of us who've been Christians for a while. Maybe you've been living for a while, like a hired servant. You get that. You long to know in your deepest heart. You long to know the embrace of God as a son or a daughter that's beloved. This is a time for you to tell him that. Um, this morning can be your time to come home. Hired servants to come home. Maybe in this moment you have something you gotta confess to God or maybe in this moment this is just a reminder for you to fall into his arms and thank the Father for his love for you. And whatever it is, let's, let's just go there now and as we worship, just experience the embrace of our Father, our, our Abba, our Daddy, just tenderly as we come home. Jesus, thank you for your love, for showing us the Father's heart for us. I ask your Holy Spirit to minister now to each one.
You're closer than the song on my tongue. Your thoughts define me. You're inside me. You're my Because we wonder, don't we? We wonder if we're ever allowed to come home, if we've blown it too bad. Or those of us that have, you know, maybe not gone down that road, um, well, maybe the way to make sure God's okay with me is if I just live like a hired servant. And it's so easy to just lose track of who God is as a loving Father. But the invitation again is just to come home. It's to come home, to trust and see who our Father really is. Both wanderers and those living like hired servants, we come home. And you know, that's huge at the core of our heart here at Hope. It's part of our DNA that that Hope is a place um, where people who have wandered for whatever reason, um, and they can come and find Jesus, they can come and follow Jesus no matter who they are. You come as you are. And it's a place that even after you've been here a while, we keep reminding each other, right, to be coming home to the heart of the Father uh, all the time. The heart of God is good and for you. So, friends, I just want you to be thinking about um, who you could invite. Um, who, who do you know? that needs to experience the heart of God for them. And consider inviting them and bringing them along. Next week, we're going to have a, a baptism. Our brother Ben back here is going to get baptized. And man, oh man. Yeah. yeah. Maybe someday we'll get more of his story, but the <laughs> Ben fits in that prodigal mode, don't you, bro? Yeah, such a great, great story. And, and God brought him home. And he used this church community as just part of it um, in his.
his journey. And man, we just want to see more and more and more of that. More and more and more of that. Well, as you get ready to go into your week, let me bless and send you. Um, people of hope, may you experience the heart of a good God, a good father who loves you just as you are. May you be convinced that there is no catch, there is no limit to God's goodness for you. May you learn to trust that despite what we sometimes fear, there is no catch, there's no other shoe waiting to drop. Um, May you believe that there's nothing that you could do to get God to love you any more, and there's nothing that you could do that would cause him to love you any less. He loves you as you are. So go now and live loved in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. We will see you next week.